You are listening to First Church Charlotte. I want to uh, preach my heart to you today. I'm going to read one verse of scripture, Genesis 4, verse number 26. Why don't we quickly stand up and then I will return you to your seats. Genesis 4, and we will read one verse of scripture at verse number 26 as and as for Seth Seth was a righteous man the bible says as for Seth to him also a son was born and he named him Enoch or Enish however you want to pronounce it then men began to call on the name of the lord somebody say then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Today I want to preach from this title since it's Palm Sunday. I want to preach Hosanna. 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 This is Palm Sunday. This is the day where Jesus walked to where they brought him a donkey, the foal of a donkey, and they set him on the foal of a donkey, never been ridden. And they led him into the city of God, the city of peace. And they cried. He's already been acknowledged as the Messiah by Blind Bartimaeus. Taught about it Wednesday night. All of this is coming together in the scripture. Blind Bartimaeus says, Jesus, thou son of David. The first time in the gospel of Mark that term, son of David, is used. Is right there, Blind Bartimaeus. And that is messianic. Have mercy on me. What are you doing, Bartimaeus? Calling upon the name of the Lord. And so we're all going to uh, uh, cry upon the name of the Lord today. And so before you're seated, I'd like you to do it with me. Somebody say, Hosanna. 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 Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Put your hands together and praise to the Lord right now. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. It is a joy to bring the word of the Lord to you today. I should apologize in advance for my voice. Uh, we got a, kind of a little bit si excited in the 9 a.m. service, and uh, they used up all my voice. And so if my voice starts giving out, don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at God. Get mad at the 9 a.m. service. They used it all up. So uh, normally I can do two services with no problem, uh, but uh, if I don't budget my voice, then I start to lose it. And I, our whole family has kind of been sickly this week, and so uh, we're battling that. But... It is a joy to bring the word of the Lord to you today, and I remind you uh, that this is the Palm Sunday celebration of the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into uh, the city. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, I preached about Mary and Martha and how Mary was a natural-born worshiper, a very emotional person, and she was given to that ease of access into the emotional worship of God. She was the one who brought the alabaster box and gave her most precious uh, value to the Lord Jesus in that alabaster box. Uh, she was the one who looked to sit at the feet of Jesus and her sister Martha. Martha was a worker. She wasn't as emotional as Mary was. And both of them becomes, become examples of how we, if we as a church are going to get it right, Somebody say, I want to get it right. If we're going to get it right, we're going to be both worshipers and we're going to be workers. 
if we neither worship nor do we work, well, we're dead like Lazarus. Smile at your neighbor. Say, don't be Lazarus. All right. So we either worship or we work, or more precisely, the worshipers have to make sure they're working, and the workers have to make sure they're worshiping. Uh, we uh, value this as a as a, a church culture. We want to have that worshipful approach into the throne room of God. Um, after I after the service was over, interestingly enough, I had. Um, uh, Lincoln, if you're here today, forgive me for telling on you. Lincoln, he's just a fine, lovely gentleman, uh, very much a student of the word of the Lord, and that's why him and I get along so well. Uh, forgive me for, for sharing your testimony last week, but after the service, after 11 a.m. service, he came up here to me and he said, uh, Pastor Nathan, I just want to tell you I really appreciate the message today. He said, because I've always been a student and I've, I've not been a naturally emotional person. He said, I've been around these kind of churches my, my whole life. He said, and I've often been made to feel like a second-class citizen. I don't know if those were your exact words, but that was the gist of it, uh, because I wasn't as emotional as some. He said, but today, and here at this church, I, I am reminded uh, that although I might have a lot of Martha, I, I still am welcome in this house, and I still am a part of this house. You see, here's the thing. We all of us have Martha in us, and we all of us have Mary in us. You have to worship in a way that's authentic to you. Can I have an amen? Worship is not performance art. Worship is not trying to impress anybody. Worship is, it's as though you block some time and you say, this is God's time right here. I'm not worrying about my troubles at home and I've got troubles at home. I'm not worried about troubles in my body and I've got troubles in my body. I'm not worried about work and money and I've got problems with work and money. This is time I have blocked and I am going to enter into the presence of the Lord and I'm not thinking about fear. I'm not thinking about pain. I'm not thinking about disappointment. I have block some time and I am focusing my eye on the promises of God and I am going to be a worshiper. We all of us work and we all of us worship and sometimes when we work we have to focus on that. If Can you imagine how awkward it would be if a Sunday school teacher was teaching in the lesson and all of a sudden in the lesson she just got moved on by the spirit and she just got excited and ran out of her classroom and left 20 kids in there by themselves. They're like looking at each other and we go to them and we say look you got kids you can't just run off and leave the kids and they're like oh but the spirit was led me. Okay the spirit led you but you've already saved all right we got 20 any kids here. <laughs> we all of us have worship and we all of us have work. And sometimes there is seasons of our life where we are more Martha than Mary. And there are seasons of our life when we are more Mary than Martha. But hear me, we must have within our spirit that tension of working for God and worshiping for God and to God. And more importantly, worship will make your work effective and work will make your worship a testimony. I'm preaching a little bit better than some of you are responding here. So I just want to give you that fair warning here. If you will work, it'll make your worship a greater testimony than it ever was uh, simply standing on its own. Let me go about this another way and point it out for your consideration another way. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him how? In spirit. Somebody say it with me. In spirit and in truth. This is not a small issue. It's very much a real, important, powerful issue. Truth matters. Truth matters. I am never going to trade the truth because they sing a song I like. I'm never going to do it. Truth matters. On the other hand, if you're not going to praise God, I am. Do do you see what I'm trying to say to you? Spirit and in truth. These are two necessities that are held in a necessary spiritual dynamic tension between the two. And when Jesus rebukes the disciples in Mark chapter number 12, he says to them, verse number 24, Do ye not therefore err, because you know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? You know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God. Do you see it? The dynamic necessary tension between the scriptural truth uh, and the heartfelt zealous worship of God. We must have both the spirit, that spirit in the scriptures not capital S as you've heard me preach many times. It's small s. It is S. your spirit. You set aside some time. Somebody say intentionally. You intentionally set aside some time. You intentionally prepare yourself and you say, I am going to glorify God with everything that is within me. I'm going to bless him. It's not happening by accident. I'm not going to be blessed because, uh, you understand what I'm saying? Because Antonella was blessed. I'm not going to be blessed uh, because Roosevelt was blessed. I'm glad they were blessed, but I made up my mind. It's intentional. I am going to worship God. So let's talk about the song. Talk about Palm Sunday and intentional worship. Somebody say intentional worship. Uh, Palm Sunday is part of uh, Christian tradition, but in Hebrew tradition, it is the approach to uh, Jerusalem, the city of God, by the people of God to celebrate a week festival, a festival of exalting and glorifying God. And they are they are making their way from wherever they live, and they are journeying as pilgrims to Jerusalem. And while they do this, they sing together the songs of ascent. Now, what are the songs of ascent? There are 15 psalms in the the the, the these Psalms that were given to us in the collection we know as the Psalms that are explicitly songs of ascent. Four of them were written by King David. One of them was written by King Solomon. And ten of them are anonymous. We don't know who their exact writer was, but some praise leader formalized and made their worship intentional. And so when they leave wherever they are, they intentionally think about about what God has done for them. What kind of songs do they sing on the way to this city of God? Now remember, there are three feasts in Hebrew uh, tradition that are necessary to the right worship of God's people to God. And they are the feast of the Passover. That is where they celebrate being set free from bondage. I am here to tell somebody today, there is freedom from bondage in your life. Do I have a witness in the house? 
The second one that they do is the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of the Harvest. Don't you love the association with Pentecost and the Harvest? You will see that in the church age where the day of Pentecost becomes the harvest that is necessary for the church age. That is the Feast of Harvest. They make an ascent up to the city of God and there they celebrate God's promises and all the way there they remind themselves they have already decided to approach the city of God like this. The third time they do it is the the, the festival of booths where they for a week they do not live in their houses but they live in a house that's constructed of branches and they remind themselves that this world is not their home. I said this world is not their home. They are pilgrims and strangers. Yes, yes, yes. And they must be reminded uh, that they although they have the nicest house on the block, that is not their home. Their home is in heaven. Okay, so every time they make this approach to the city of God, they sing the songs of ascent. In a spiritual guide to worship, what kind of things would we be thinking about as we came to the house of the Lord? Well, Psalms 120 is a song of ascent that reminds every one of you that in the middle of your distress, the presence of God is with you. On your way to the house of God, you say to yourself, I may be going through it, but the Spirit of God is with me. I may be suffering, my Lord. I might be hurting, but the Spirit of God. God is with me. His presence is with me in the middle of my son. That's how somebody ought to come to church. You ought not come to church fighting with your husband. You ought not come to church fighting with your wife. You ought not, my goodness, I might just preach here a little bit whether you like it or not. You ought not come to church worried about your career. You ought to say, I'm on the way to the house of God. And I'm going to sing the songs of ascent all the way to the house of God. The next psalm of ascent, I give joyful praise to the Lord. When do I do it? On the way to the house of God. I pray for Jerusalem. When? On the way to the house of God. I have patience within myself for God's mercy. That's Psalms 123. On the way to the house of God. I pray for God's blessing upon his people. Somebody say, on the way to the house of God. I remind myself that the Lord has done great things on the way to the house of God. I remind myself of God's blessing upon the work of his people. Come on now, somebody, work with me a little bit today. I tell myself that there is joy for those who follow the law of God on the way to the house of God. I offer a cry for help on the way to the house of God. I offer a prayer of repentance, Psalms 130, on the way to the house of God. I surrender to the Lord as a child of his promise on the way to the house of God. I accept that God has a sovereign plan for his people on the way to the house of God. I might have to do a Lazarus two-step before I'm done here today. On the way to the house of God, I reassure myself that it's God's church. 
on the way to the house of God. Psalms 132, uh, is that, that's Psalms 132. Psalms 133, I praise God for fellowship and unity on the way to the house of God. And 134, I offer the fact to God that when I get to his temple, I am going to praise God in his temple. What are you talking about, song leader? What are you singing about, King David? What are you leading us to do? I'm not just praising God on the way to church. When I get to church and I'm in his temple, I'm blocking the time. Did you hear what I said? I am blocking the time. You don't get to attack me, devil, in a sanctuary. You don't get to fill me with fear, Satan, in a sanctuary. You don't get to tell me I'm a loser, Satan, in a sanctuary. You don't get to tell me there's no hope in a sanctuary. I have blocked the time. This is God's time. If you and your spouse have fallen out of love with each other, you need to go back to doing the things that let you fall in love with each other. I'm not talking about making out under the high school bleachers. Although if you're struggling, you ought to try it. It might help you. Don't get me into a, we a wedding seminar here or a marriage seminar because I will do it. But I don't have time. You do what you did when you fell in love. You know what we call that? We call it for us married folks who spend most of our time worried about bills. Somebody say, hmm. You got to learn how to do that. Some of you guys don't know how to do that. Church people do this thing right here. They raise this finger. They say, hmm. I don't know what that means, but you ought to learn how to do that. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you need to do what you do. You need to do what you did when you fell in love. You need to have a date night. Yeah. Wives, I formally give you permission to tell your husband. You will take me out. And you will tell me I'm the finest thing you've ever laid your eyes on. And you will look like I'm not for free. And you will act like you hope I find you attractive. And you will kiss me like I'm not a sure thing. I know how to bless some women up in here. You will hold my hand like I'm not easy. You, you treat me like I'm sorry, girls. Y'all aren't married yet. Y'all put your fingers in your ears right now. This is for married people. You will treat me like another man would who would be thankful to have me. You will not treat me like I'm yours for free. But sometimes we come in the house of God and we think God owes us something. We come into the house of God and we think like, oh, I don't have to try. I don't have to focus. I don't have to block the time. I don't have to have a date night. Let me tell you what church is. It's the first day of the week, and I come in this house, and I say, there's no one like you, Jesus. 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 When I was unlovable, you loved me. When I was sick, you healed me. When I was bound, you delivered me.
And I made a commitment. I made a commitment. The Lord stirred on me not to just have that good to see everybody. But when the, the, when the worship's going, I'm focusing on that for the authentic worship of my heart to God. Now, what am I saying all this for? And I'm going on and on and I'm getting off my notes. And let me get back on my notes here so you'll think I did a good job and won't talk bad about me over dinner. In, on Palm Sunday, they walk into the city of Jerusalem and they cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so we, we celebrate this, but I want to remind you to the Jewish faith, not, not the history of the Christian church, but to the Jewish faith, this phrase, calling upon the name of the Lord, has a very specific meaning. When they are baptized in the Old Testament, to them, when you say to the Jew, uh, calling upon the name of the Lord, it means something symbolically. In the same way, water baptism and tongues mean something symbolically to us. Calling upon the name of the Lord means something symbolically. And it is the wholesale desire and passion of the heart to have God in your life. To have God leading you and guiding you and directing you every day. Somebody say every day. Every day. Not just Sunday. Not just Sunday. Every day. I'm hungry for that. In the book of Genesis, we read of Enoch, who at his birth, he started something new among the house of Adam and Eve, and that is, he began calling upon the name of the Lord. This is before the law. This is before the prophets. This is before the tabernacle plan. This is before Abraham has a covenant. This is when nobody knows nothing, kind of like today. Nobody knows nothing, and yet there is in our heart this passionate longing desire to have God in our life guiding us leading us there's this passionate and can you imagine what Seth uh, or the son of Seth uh, Enoch prayed he didn't know where to start he didn't have a Bible to refer to but in his heart is this passionate desire for the presence of God and he began calling upon the name of the Lord now I am going to show you biblically over and over again how they called upon the name of the Lord. Abraham built an altar in Genesis chapter number 12 and what did they do? Say it with me. Called upon the name of the Lord. Isaiah, Isaiah excuse me, Isaac built an altar in Genesis 26 and somebody say it with me. He called upon the name of the Lord. It's in the scriptures. Jacob built an altar in Genesis 35 and what did he do? He called upon the name of the Lord before Moses had given a pattern for the tabernacle, before the Ten Commandments were engraved upon stone, before the law, before a temple or a tabernacle of David, men and women were passionately and zealously calling upon the name of the Lord. And so in Deuteronomy, you read chapter 4 in verse number 7, for what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. There might be other nations have better weapons of warfare than Israel, but no other nation is called 
calling upon the name of the Lord better than Israel. Their treasuries may be filled with more gold and silver than Israel, but nobody is calling upon the name of the Lord better than Israel. Oh, let it be said of every Christian in First Church. We may not have the money of other people. We may not have the fame of other people, but one thing we're going to do from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, we are going to call upon the name of the Lord. Psalms 18, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Somebody say yes. So shall I be saved from mine enemy. Psalms 55, as for me, I will call upon the Lord. Say it with me. As for me, I will call upon the name of the Lord and the Lord shall save me. Psalms 86, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all of them that what? Call upon thee. Psalms 86. In the day of trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Psalms 116. Are you kind of getting a theme here of the people of God? Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. Or Psalms 118. I called upon the Lord in distress. Anyone ever do that? And the Lord answered answered me and set me in a large place. Psalms 145, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon thee. Oh my goodness, my God. I wish I could preach good today. I wish I could just really get down to where you're living and preach good to you today. Isaiah 55 and 6, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Satan's been trying since the beginning of time to get you to stop calling on the name of the Lord. He tells you you're not good enough. He tells you you don't know enough. He tells you you're not righteous enough. He tells you you have a past. You're not talented. And all he wants you to do is stop saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the devil doesn't know a secret. <laughs> The devil doesn't know a secret. And this is the secret that you know and I know. If we stop calling, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the stones are going to develop throats and the stones are going to open their mouth because on Palm Sunday, he will be glorified. On the ascent to God's holy hill, he will be glorified. Yeah. This is the way God's people have always operated. Elijah is trying to call the people of God back to Yahweh. And he has a service and he brings a contest between Yahweh and the prophets of Baal. And this is what he says in 1 Kings chapter number 18. You call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God which answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people, notice, don't rush past this, all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. That's when I get done preaching, I hope somebody besides myself says, that is just well spoken. You call upon the name of your God, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And whoever answers by fire, that's 
let him be God. And the people said, mm, yeah, you know, hmm. All the people said, yeah, that's, mm, yeah, let that, that's good. It's, that's, why do the children of Israel think it's well spoken? Because from the beginning of Enoch, they have made themselves unique in that they call upon the name of the Lord in their praise, in their warfare, in their struggles, in their sickness, in their pain, in their suffering, in their loss, when the enemy's oppressing them, when they're fighting for their life. What's unique about them? We call upon the name of the Lord. When I'm hurting, I call upon the name of the Lord. When I'm broken, I call upon the name of the Lord. Am I the only one or is there somebody in this house that says I'm going to live my life by calling upon the name of the Lord? (sighs) Psalms 4 and 3. But know that the Lord hath set him apart that is godly for himself. And the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Psalms 50 and 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver me, deliver thee. And thou shalt glorify me. Or if you want an Old Testament definition of what revival looks like, there's not many better than Psalm 80 and 18. So we will not go back from thee. Somebody say it with me. So we will not go back from thee. Quicken us and we will call upon thy name. Before anybody knew anything, they were calling upon the name of the Lord. When no one knew exactly how to do anything, sometimes I don't know if we know how to do as much as we think we know how to do. You know what they did distinguish themselves with? They called upon the name of the Lord. When I don't know how to fix what's in my life, I call upon the name of the Lord. When I get a call from the doctor, I don't know what else to do. I call upon the name of the Lord. My wife and I's life has been a continual lesson of calling upon the name of the Lord. When we were engaged, she had a stroke, was never supposed to recover from it, had all kinds of brain damage. In fact, just between me and you, I think she still never really overcame all of that. Forgive me, darling. I'll kiss you later, and I'll make you, I'll make, mm, y'all close your ears. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what I'm trying to say here today is that I I had to learn at 20, 22 years old, all my preaching didn't follow me into the waiting room. Oh, don't get righteous on me. I'll come right back there and talk to you nose to nose. I was crying. I was terrified. All I knew how to do was say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What am I talking about? What do you mean, Hosanna? Hosanna's for happy people. Well, that just shows you don't study the Bible near as much as you think you do. You have opinions uh, and you run off, but you don't know. You know what Hosanna means? It's not for people who are jumping and kicking their heels. Y'all didn't know I could do that. It's not for people who are just running around excitement. You know what Hosanna means in Hebrew? Save me. 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 And when I sat in that room and I said, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know what I'm saying? Save me. I don't know whether to go out or come in, but save me. I'm like a child. I don't know what to do here or how to go there. Save me. I'm hurting on the inside. I don't have an answer. Save me. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hear me prepare for scriptural insight. 
you can also interpret that. Blessed is he who comes calling upon the name of the Lord. Mm. Blessed is he who comes calling upon the name of the Lord. Blind Bartimaeus is going to start the party. He's going to start Palm Sunday off. And he's going to say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they're going to tell him not to. They're going to say, yeah, you're causing confusion. And he's going to say, uh-uh, I think I can do it louder than that. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is going to say, bring him over here. Your faith has made you whole. <laughs> and the whole crowd is going to see blind Bartimaeus lay aside his status as a beggar and start following Jesus into the city of peace, shouting, save me, save me, save me. Blessed is he who comes calling upon the name of the Lord. I was young when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I had to go through all. I wanted a miraculous healing. I didn't want six months of sickness and vomiting and throwing up. And you don't want that. Uh, I, I didn't want to take another six months to recover from pneumonia. Uh, but you know what? I didn't have an answer. <laughs> but all I knew was, save me. I would rather not drink this cup, Lord, but nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. Save me. My, my, my son Durant was born a, a month early and spent nearly a week in ICU. And when he was born, I thought he was dead because he was gray. He was literally gray. They went and put him under the heat lamps. And, and I'm terrified and I'm crying. I'm just sitting there. I think he's dying. I know he's a month early. I know he only weighs five pounds. And I can see all the problems that are involved. Uh, and the, 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 finally one of the, uh, the uh, I don't know if she was a doctor or a nurse. She's probably a doctor. She's holding him and she says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I'm just trusting God. We go from there. I didn't have any, I didn't have, none of y'all were in there shouting, kicking, doing tap dance for Jesus. I was tap dancing for Jesus all by myself. And you live the same testimony. The same testimony. The next day, two doctors come in our room and sit down across from us and said, we have bad news for you. We have examined your, your child, and uh, there are genetic abnormalities, and we think that he has Down syndrome. We are testing to confirm. And we just sat there. What do you say when you get kicked in the stomach? We just sat there. Okay, okay, okay. My wife's always had more faith than me. Y'all don't tell her I, I said that, but she's always had more faith than me. I get mad. She starts calling the name of Jesus. I want to go punch somebody. She's like, Jesus, that's living way right there. That's all living way right there. That's her dad's shirt. Anyway, um, she looks at the doctor. She says, no. No. I reached over and I patted her in doubt. I patted her in doubt. Honey, it'll be okay. And we're punching bags. Just punch us again. I patted her in doubt. She looked at me. She looked at my hand patting her. You think I make this up? She looked at 
me. She looked at my hand, Patty, or she looked back at the doctor. She said, no. No. Well, I'm not the smartest knife in the drawer, but I know not to get in front of my wife when she's channeling Sonny Nugent. That is nothing but pain when she starts channeling Sonny Nugent. And I just sat there quiet, kind of like, and the doctor says, oh, well, we know this is difficult. We know that where's counselors. We have a counselor. They had a, a counselor there sitting to talk to us. She's sitting by the doctor. She's waiting. They're giving us the sad eyes. Oh, I was like, um, no, no. I'm patting her. Get your hand up off me. No. And she said, I saw my baby. So don't tell me he has Down syndrome. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Our second pregnancy, we found out our baby had trisomy 13, and it was in distress. They showed us the heartbeat. The fetus is in distress. I didn't mean to tell you guys this. I'm sorry. And fetus is in distress, and they show us on the ultrasound. Sorry, honey. I told you I wouldn't do this to you. You can see the fetus is in distress. And so they send us home to wait for the fetus to die. What do you do when you don't know what to do? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what you do? You say, save me. I don't know how the law applies to this. I don't know how the tabernacle plan, you know, if we get some scholar in here, they could tell us all about tabernacle plan. I don't know how about tabernacle David applies to this. I don't know about how this one and that one applies to this. I don't know how this person who called me with some prophecy and doesn't even know what's going on and got not only their prophecy, but their interpretation of the prophecy wrong. I don't know how that applies, but this is what I can do. I can stand in the presence of God and I can say, save me. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will call upon the name of the Lord. When I don't know what to do, I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will say, Hosanna, save me. Blessed is he who comes. Hear me. Hear me. Sometimes the only blessing you can feel in your life is when you remind yourself that there has to be a blessing upon me because I'm calling upon the name of the Lord. Does that make sense? There is no other blessing. We were in Lake Charles when they told us Ellery had osteosarcoma. They told us good news. They tested her blood, said, oh, we have good news. She doesn't have leukemia. But we pretty sure it's osteosarcoma bone cancer and it's coming down from her jaw and it's growing right here it was Thanksgiving day I didn't feel very thankful I didn't, I didn't feel very thankful I didn't have any answers this time my wife was mad <laughs> normally it's me who was mad this time she was mad <laughs> felt no blessing but there has to be a blessing upon the one who calls upon the name of the Lord 
no matter what you're going through, if you feel unloved, unincluded, if you feel like no one has really understands your heart, if your own friends have turned against you, if you're if 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 people that you thought were on your side have turned out not to be on your side, whatever it is, and you haven't an answer, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to claim one blessing like Job. After the devil's taken away everything, there's one last blessing. And his wife wants him to give up that too. You should just curse your God and die. But there's one last blessing when everything else has been taken away from me. There's one last blessing. I will never not be the person who doesn't call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to be the person who has the final blessing. Blessed is he who comes calling upon the name of the Lord. Let's all stand. I don't know what you're facing, but I'm here to tell you. You need to learn how to call upon the name of the Lord. You need to take this service and you need to say, I've blocked this time as unto the Lord. I, do, I, re, I refuse my fears right now. I refuse my doubts right now. I refuse my pain right now. And I've blocked this time. And I said, this is God's time. And I'm giving it to you. I wonder if there's somebody here today who you're living there. You're feeling that. My ministry team is going to come down to the front right now. And they're going to get that oil of anointing. And we're going to turn this whole house into a service of anointing and we're going to praise him as though the answer has already come some of you are living in abusive situations you're going to praise him as though you are already free of that some of you are facing sickness in your body you're going to worship him as though the answer has already come you're going to praise him as though you have already been told God is working on your side would you step out of the chair you're in right now church would you make your way down to this front would you find somebody and say I'm joining with you right now I'm joining my prayer to your prayer I'm joining my faith to your faith come on church step out of your place and find somebody and say let's join our faith together right now thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte if you're in the Charlotte North Carolina area Come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., and Bible Study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com or like us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.